0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means it must be another episode of Unfiltered. Calling this one episode 22 as our trade deadline countdown continues. Now, five days away from the August 2nd deadline, Tuesday afternoon, where we will find out who has moved and who has not. The buyers and the sellers, beware. Fans as well. Will your team disappoint? Will they do what you need? All of those things you could find out and follow here at the Unfiltered Revolution, of course, on our podcast, as well as my YouTube channel, Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, and at Casey Stern on Twitter, where you can follow all the news, including some of the exciting stuff, and thank you, Unfiltered Ban, that we have planned not only over the next few days, between now and the deadline, but also coming up on deadline day, where I will be going live on Twitter at 2 o'clock Eastern time with a three-hour full-throttle show with guests and interaction and news and rumors as they happen, trades as they happen, including reaction afterwards, taking you up until 5 Eastern, hour after the trade deadline. So make sure to be a part of it and follow me and appreciate you all being part of this. Like and subscribe to all the videos on YouTube and all that good stuff as well. I want to begin, before we get into the latest rumors and things that are in the hopper, by talking about something that got us hopping last night. And we're not talking about the us because I'm unbiased, of course, being the Met fan contingent because Starling Marte walked off to help the Mets take the brooms out and sweep the Subway Series. But it was what was sweeping the baseball industry afterwards just moments later when and Jack Curry had it first. It was reported and then confirmed and official that the New York Yankees had picked up Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi, one of the biggest Names who was available from a position player standpoint, a rental for those of you who are newbies, that basically means expiring contract at the end of the year. There were a lot of questions about whether or not he would be available to a team like the Yankees. And I want to get into that and what he adds to them here in a couple of minutes. But I want to start with the two things that it cancels out and takes you out of if you're a Yankee fan or if you're looking at this from the outside perspective for the Yankees. Number one. They did not give up prospects in this deal, right? The top prospect they gave in their system was their 19th best prospect, one of them not even in their top 30. They did not do anything to eliminate the opportunity for them to get a Luis Castillo or a Frankie Montas or to aim high in the starting pitching market. Those are the places the Yankees will look now, as well as bullpen. They're available there. Where it did take out, because of where Ben Attendee plays and what he's going to give the team the rest of the year— would be at least if Juan Soto was going to be dealt now at the deadline, it will not be to the Yankees. Remember, they can revisit that in the offseason, and Ben Attendee just, for example, again, a rental will be not even part of the team in the winter. Juan Soto, I don't think, was ever going to be a Yankee. I've talked about this before, and I'll get back into Soto here in a few minutes, but if it's going to happen at the deadline, and the Nationals are going to look to do it now versus in the winter where they have more time and more teams that would be in the thick of things— it's going to be, in my opinion, and if you go back to this podcast, and look, I'm not trying to uh, sit there and say I'm some genius, we'll see how it, it plays out, but I've been consistent to this the entire time, even the day after the Buster Olney's news broke in the Home Run Derby that you know he would be moved before the deadline, uh, I still have believed, B-L-E-A-V, of course, that there was a way better chance he'd get moved in the winter. I still think, and I said yesterday in our podcast, I believe or maybe two days ago, that it's about 60-40 now, 60% that he'll get moved in the winter, 40% as we sit here now five days before the deadline. I've also said, and continue to stay with, if Juan Soto is going to get moved in the next five days, if it's going to be now, it's going to be a team with a little bit more desperation to do this now. And those teams are not going to be teams like, in my opinion, the Dodgers. Or the mets or the yankees or the braves or the houston astros because those teams already know while they need tweaking and they're not perfect and there's no guarantees that all of them are in position to have a chance to get to or win a world series this year <clears throat> where i think you're looking at are three other teams and i've been this way the whole time seattle mariners st louis cardinals san diego padres those are the three teams to watch Well, a lot of people have been on the Cardinals because of their prospect list. I have not changed where I have said from going back now a week, and that's kind of day one in this whole thing. I mean, it seems like it's been longer, but that's all it's been with all this Soto talk. In the last week, I have been Mariners, Mariners, Mariners the entire time through. The Seattle Mariners have a situation where they have an all-star game they are hosting next year. The two stars of the home run derby and the all-star game and that whole weekend, the the two guys we were talking about were J-Rod Julio Rodriguez, right, who the team ended up winning 15 games in a row while he was starting and healthy because of, of his importance, just hit a big home run again two days ago. And the other star being Juan Soto. Well, those guys would be on your calendars, would be on your team, would be on national television, would be promoted leading up to an all-star game your city is hosting in your stadium. And they'd be hitting left, right, back to back in your batting order for your lineup, if healthy, God willing, every single day for you during the course of the next two seasons before Soto would even be a free agent. The Mariners have not been in a postseason in seemingly a century. They have the biggest desperation to make a move. When teams get that way, owners allow GMs to go and to do things and extend beyond what normally they would do. You need a GM who is going to get dicey and get saucy, if you will, making big deals. For example... Alex Anthopoulos. Look what he just did with the Braves a year ago with the moves of bringing in a Jorge Soler and bringing in a guy like Jock Peterson. Well, he was a guy who was willing to make 10 player deals if necessary to get the Jays into a postseason, and they did. And without pitching injuries, they probably would have been more on the cusp than they even were in two or three postseason opportunities during those years that followed. When you sit there and you look at the situation now with Jerry Depoto, I've called him Trader Jerry over the years. There have been a lot of moves Jerry Depoto has made that have not worked out, but he has never been afraid and has always been involved. When you combine that with the ownership, the situation with the All Star Game, the two years you have with Soto to sell him, the money they have—look at the money that they have paid out with that team before. Let's not forget they were the team that bowled over the Yankees and gave 50 extra million dollars to Robinson Cano way back when, 240 mil. It didn't work, but point is. They've signed big deals before. They've been star-studded with guys like A-Rod at the forefront of their franchise and Ken Griffey Jr. before. It is a great baseball town and a great stadium, a great sports city, and I still believe if Juan Soto is traded in the next five days, I, I believe, I don't know what percentage, and that's why I'm, I'm pausing, I would put on it, but if you ask me a pie for Soto the next five days, and they will say if he's dealt, okay, out of 100%, all right, I would put the mariners at thirty percent. I would put the cardinals and Padres tied at twenty percent actually, I'd put the mariners, let's say at thirty five. I'm doing the math in my head by the way. this is great radio, uh as I used to say when I was on radio. now, great podcasting. I'd say like thirty five percent mariners all right twenty five percent for the cardinals. 20% for the Padres, 20% other. But the Mariners are in front of that list, okay? And as I do the math, that equals 100. I was doing the Yogi Berra thing in my mind. where 90% of this and 100% of that. I don't know if Soto's going to get moved, but I still think the Mariners are the team to watch. That would swoop in and make the most sense to do this, okay? It, they've been rumored with guys like Brian Reynolds and some of the other outfielders that are still available with Ben off the list. But I still believe Soto. it's Soto... And, they, and they've and they got the prospects to do it. They've got pitching prospects to do it. It's worth it for them to do it. I think the Mariners are the team to watch here. And I'll stay with that, okay? Let's get back to Ben Attendee. So the first thing that it does is it takes away, you're not in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. You're not Eliminated from Frankie Montas, you're not eliminated from Luis Castillo, you're not eliminated from Bullpen, you're not eliminated from, you know, those those you know, whales or big fish from a, a starting pitching standpoint. But you are eliminated now because of position of where Soto would be a part of your team in the next five days at the deadline. The other thing that gets eliminated, using my old uh, term from when I worked at restaurants over the years, many years ago, uh, you have 86th any experience like the one that we watched with uh, my guy Booney, Put Aaron Boone putting Joey Gallo up against Edwin Diaz like some sacrificial lamb or a code red in game one of that Subway series. The Joey Gallo experience you will not have to watch anymore. You now have a left fielder, a guy who can defend, a left-handed bat. What happens with Joey Gallo? Who knows? As we talked in our podcast that we have when Sweeney, when Sweeney Murphy was on yesterday. Writing's been on the wall for that to not be any part of things uh, going down the stretch. And now this you know enables that to, to finally play out. So no Soto for the Yankees, no Gallo and having to watch him anymore for the Yankee fan. Uh, One good, one bad. Let's talk about Benintendi. The only bad thing that was attached to Andrew Benintendi. All right. In his trade conversations. And we discussed it. And I went nuts over the Whit Merrifield, who was the quote unquote leader of the Royals. And we'll see, you know, if, if he moves here in the next five days, but the idea that, Oh, I'm, I am I, standing on my principles. I do not take shots. I do not eat Dumb's lollipops. I will not get vaccinated. But if you send me to a better team, dude, I'm in. I mean, the idea of that is just stupidity. That means it's not a principle. You know, principle to go back to those who didn't hear that podcast and please go back and listen to it, but to expound on that, this is not me telling you you should or shouldn't get vaccinated because I'm a, you know, look, I don't stick to sports, but I'm not really into having a conversation with that. How you feel doesn't make me hate you, love you one way or the other. I'm not basing that on your politics, and this isn't even politics, and I'm not basing it on whether or not you get a vaccine or not, okay? But here's what I will tell you is, is just dumb. Don't tell me you have a principle, and then I give you a piece of paper, and I say, what are you willing to give up that principle for, and you write anything on it? There's nothing on it. The principles, for example, as a parent, I will take care of my kids. You don't write anything on a sheet that would get in that way, right? If you say, and I, I gave the example, you know, going back a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I don't care if it's something like, hey, I'm not having sex till marriage. You can't tell me except for if these three people, you know, no, you, you, you can't do that. that. That's not a principle then, all right? You can't tell me your principles. I don't get vaccines. I'm not putting anything in my body. And then, oh by the way, if I get to a better team, I'll do it. I just don't want to go to Toronto with these guys. You can't do that. But Whit Merrifield said he'd do it, and guess what? Andrew Benatendi is following. Andrew Benetendi is. We heard, based on all of what we heard yesterday after this deal, Andrew Benetendi is following suit because he is going to, in fact. Get vaccinated because now he's on a better team. Now, the Yankees have a series in Toronto at the end of September. They also could feasibly face them in the postseason, right? You can't go ahead and pay, even though they didn't give top prospects, for a rental, pay any kind of top dollar in terms of value, and then bring in a guy that, remember, you're renting. The whole purpose of getting Ben Attendee is to have him for now, for the next two months. You can't go ahead and do that, right? Right? you can't go do that and then say well i don't know whether or not this dude's gonna play in these big games so clearly a conversation was had and i had said that that would be the case and exactly it followed suit as i said that ben attendee of course now will get vaccinated and look it's like people i don't want to shave and then all of a sudden they're shaving for the yankees and smiling and taking pictures and that's just the way it is right i've I've wanted to be like my favorite thing growing up a met fan is like how many people i wanted to be a yankee my whole life i mean really you know, Now, some of that may be true. I know who the Yankees are in this sport, but we've heard enough of it, please, all right? To hell with it. But Ben Attendee, what he brings to the table, let's talk about it. They're going to be in the old school, nothing's really old school thinking anymore, but in the old school thought, when you bring in a guy who's got three, four home runs and he's not a power bat and he's not going to produce a lot in terms of thump into your order, the, the prevailing thought in the past would have been, well, this isn't a big pickup for this team. But I want to go to the Royals, not the current ones, please, that Ben Attendee's on, but the ones that were in back-to-back World Series, just as an example of teams that we have watched that in the last 10, 20 years, when you think about the high-end velocity you're looking at and the importance of swing and a miss in a postseason, and make no mistake, what wins in a postseason, a lot has changed, right, from the A to B. How do I get there? You know what hasn't changed? Swing and miss in a postseason. That's... What we saw out of Strasburg and Max Scherzer, right? That's what we saw for sure when you go to the Giants years with their pitching staff and winning with starting pitching. The Mets in 1995, yes, Sespinus was great, and Daniel Murphy against the Cubs, but they took a team that was 500 and got all the way to the dance against the Royals where they were in those games more than what ended up happening in that series, and how did they do it? High-end velocity guys who get swing and miss from and Matt Harvey, Jacob deGrom, and Noah Syndergaard, etc. That's how you win, all right? Getting it in the back end of the bullpen. You can go in the way back machine for what K-Rod did when he was at it to help the Angels go beat the Yankees when he and Percival were on the back end, and we can go on forever. It is still about high-end stuff and velocity, front of your rotation, back end of the bullpen when you want to win in October, that end scene. That's just the way it is, okay? So when you think about that, that's still going to be sexy in the way that you win, but To have guys who can now, knowing that that is the way that teams are going to try and beat you, and that's the hardest thing to do, is to... You know, having rallies in a postseason does not exist often. We talk about home run happy teams. You don't want that, but sometimes you're going to need them. Sometimes you're going to, you know, face an ace like a Scherzer who at times in the postseason has given up a home run in the first inning. That might be all you give up. I remember King Felix, who never got to see postseasons, unfortunately, see Mariners earlier in this conversation. Uh, King Felix told me in an interview at spring training one year when he was in his most dominant, you know, of his stretch before, you know, injuries and age caught up to him. And innings, it wasn't even age, but because he had started so young. But King Felix had said to me, and this is the confidence of these dudes, right? But he had said to me, and this is literally verbatim, a quote. He said, if they don't get me in the first inning, they have no chance, right? Because that's where maybe you lose stuff, hit middle-middle, you're overthrowing the, the anxiety and the anticipation and the adrenaline. And we've seen that even with Scherzer. But high-end stuff is how you win. Now, to go ahead and counteract that, you got to have lineups where you can make contact. You know, not just running up pitch counts, but what people don't talk about is extending at bats. If I can foul off your out pitch because I'm a high contact rate guy, then all of a sudden you're I'm giving you another pitch, which gives me another chance to get the one mistake in the at bat because pinpoint control for every at bat three times or whatever is allowed through an order now for starters in October. Not easy to do. Andrew Benatendi is one of these guys you want in your lineup for that. He's a high contact rate guy. He's going to get on base. He's a spark plug. We've seen him make dynamic plays, including in the postseason. I remember the one where, you know, I, I joked that the one thing that stood out was you could see the Orioles, which not now, but they were 50 games, I think, out in the standings when, uh, you know, the standings were still on the board. And we saw Benatendi literally looking like, I mean, he was levitating in front of some green screen, not, not, not the green monster at Fenway. But here's a guy who we know can make dynamic defensive plays. We know can run. He can steal a base for you. He'll get he make contact for you. You can hit him near the top of the order. Benatendi's going to help the, the Yankees. With the thump that they already have, you want to make sure that those aren't solo home runs if you can avoid it and you have guys on base, and Benatendi's going to help you do that. So, I think Soto for the Yankees, for sure. Still in on the high end, you know, uh, you starters you know, Montas and Luis Castillo and guys like that uh, bullpen help for sure for the Yankees. You don't have to deal with Joey Gallo anymore. And Ben is definitely going to help. Let's talk about what it means now for the rest of the marketplace. All right. When you're looking at the outfield positions after Soto, when we go to like the mere mortals that are still available, uh, you know, you could think about, you know, the David Peralta's in Arizona, Brian Reynolds, who's a terrific player. Doesn't get talked about who can do a lot of different things for you in Pittsburgh. You've got still that first base DH kind of contingent. When you think about Josh Bell, who's going to be more costly, who is a switch hitter for the Nationals, you think about a guy like Trey Mancini in Baltimore, and they still will be sellers despite being over five hundred at least for a couple of players in, and a bullpen arm or two. And Mancini, they have to be listen on others as well. Um, T.J. Krohn, who's in Colorado, and you know they got to try and get value where they can, how they can. I think to me, some of the big questions that we have on the pitching side, and on the, the position player side. Is there going to be a whale that we don't know about? Is there going to be somebody that is a name that's got years left on a contract and a team that we wouldn't think would make a trade, but someone has made a call and has changed things and has forced the hand of a franchise? I want to tell you who it's not going to be. It's not going to be Shohei Otani. I, I keep explaining this. First of all, it's terrible to hear about Matt, Mike Trout with the back situation. It reminds me of covering David Wright, watching him go through that every day and covering that team. Uh, growing up, watching Don Mattingly in New York. Those back injuries, look, it's the one thing where it is a constant day-in and day-out process. Guys, and what covering the game 20 years, you watch this. Guys rehab from injuries, and they have to go through that. But then they have... You know, they come back at the end of the season, even pitchers off Tommy John. It could be anything that you think of, right? Even shoulder situations, and those can be tenuous. They come back, they do the rehab, and then you can, they feel good, and then you know, maybe they're praying while they're out there pitching that the next time isn't the last time, that it goes again, the elbow, shoulder, whatever it might be. But they're out there, and, and at least, you know, the rehab part of it isn't still that hours and hours of day after day. Anyone who's ever had back issues, and I'm certainly not comparing myself to a baseball player, but I was in the mayo clinic. It's true. I was in the mayo clinic. I was covering spring training and ended up in the mayo clinic. Like, what kind of a moron am I? But this is true. I was in the mayo clinic in Arizona about 12 years ago because I threw my back out in the worst, like stupidest way you ever could. I was on a, a long flight from the East Coast and and I must have been tired. I fell asleep in a bad spot. And I woke up right as we had pulled in. And it, already the the, the the train, the plane had already kind of filed in and taxied. And the person next to me was waking me. And I don't know what kind of dream I was in, but I jolted up, right? Like almost like a spasm. At the time, I didn't feel anything except like, ow, like I've been sleeping uncomfortably, Right. And the next morning, I couldn't get out of bed, and they literally had to come into my hotel room, the producers, and take me to this is true to the Mayo Clinic, and I throw my back out. It's it was the most painful. Forget your spring training, like a two to three month period of my life. It was just so painful. Every single day trying to get up was painful. Standing up straight was painful. All of that. I was hunched over. It was a nightmare. Imagine being an athlete, right, and dealing with back injuries. That's why when you look at the Clayton Kershaws and the pitchers over the years who have back issues, how they even go back to pitching, and how much it alters because of discomfort—the way you stand, the way you're, you're you're you know you're you're pushing off on the rubber, all of that. But for a, a player like Mike Trout and an outfielder, I, I really hope this doesn't hamper his career, turn him into a DH, and you know make it in the rear view the best that we've seen out of Mike Trout. I really hope not but Otani was never getting dealt anyway. This ensures he's not the value of the franchise and what he does for you because of the international money he brings, the 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 brand in Major League Baseball, the national television, all that stuff, the attention. Without him, you're still not winning anyway. The prospects he's bringing in aren't getting you anything. And Artie Moreno has to, from a business perspective, even though he's done, I think, a lot of things wrong in how they've spent their money and their pitching staff. Certainly, it's like they they, they forgot you need to pitch to win for about like I don't know, like a ten year. Year span which is just deplorable for me and with all sorts of GMs so the common dominant denominator there is is Moreno and your ownership and not understanding that. but they're not going to trade Otani because of the value of the franchise. he's not going to be the guy. Uh, I don't think Xander Bogarts despite you know the Red Sox being in last place, is the guy either. but is there a guy? You know, and, and the crazy part about the deadline, the last thing I want to say here in this pod, and I want to remind you, I will keep updating you and doing podcasts after deals. So you, you may have, like, this one looks like 25 minutes or maybe one that's on, you know, one big deal that happens, it's 18, and then another. we may have three in a day. I, I'm going to do this on the fly with you so that as a baseball fan, when you see a deal, boom, you know within an hour or two, there you go, you're going to get my reaction, have guests, and all that stuff, all right? But the last thing I want to say in in this pod in this episode is, even though there's only five days left to the deadline, here's the craziness, right? You've got teams that are in the wild card race that are kind of three out, and the owners thinking, I don't want to sell. I want to. I want to. If I get meaningful September games again, thinking business, I'm gonna fill. I I could. You know, look, one one five game winning streak, we can go ahead and sell out for a week or two, right? In some of these stadiums, they're gonna think about, you know opportunities to make the playoffs. How many teams do I have to jump? All of that. If you go lose four games in a row or you've already lost, let's say the San Francisco Giants get swept in a four-game series less than a week ago by the Dodgers, you go lose the next four, and all of a sudden you've lost eight and nine, nine and ten, you may literally in that five-day span go from, I'm not going to sell, I'm not buying, but I'm not selling. I'm kind of standing back to see if we can make a wild card to becoming sellers and being willing more on a Rodon or, or any of these players that are on your team. And thinking about the offseason where if Soder doesn't get traded, maybe that's where you go after. So you're willing to make deals and try and unload some of the money and get some bad rental contracts off the books. Things could change on the fly in minutes, in hours, and in just in a five-day span. Keep up with me at Casey Stern. Be a part of the Unfiltered Revolution. Uh, YouTube channel, Believes YouTube channel as well. I've also got another YouTube channel if you're part of music and shenanigans. You can have fun with me there. I want you guys to be a part of it. Uh, We're doing this thing together. Enjoy this. The trade deadline countdown continues here as part of the Believe Network on Unfiltered.